Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And filling in for Adam Vingen, who is currently moving into his first ever home with his first and hopefully ever wife, Bridget. Uh, congratulations to Adam and his wife on buying a home, moving into their home. They are, he's unavailable this week. I got a really fun interview with Hal Gill coming up a little bit later on the show. But filling in for Adam... Those very large, weird Nikes that he wears. Marin Angus from Broadway Sports Media. You can follow her on Twitter at Marin underscore Angus, the Preds writer for Broadway Sports Media. Marin, welcome to the show. How do you feel taking Adam's place today? I feel pretty good, although I do not own any Nikes. So, you know, I'm, I've got Adidas. Does that count? I mean, I mean, it's very on brand for hockey. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, that's a huge Hanukkah present for Adam moving into his first house. Yes, it is. It is. I've swapped out one Jewish hockey expert for another Jewish hockey expert on the show. I've got to maintain the brand here on the on the on the program. Um, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. We've got some fun conversation about the new divisions, what the Preds could be looking like from a schedule standpoint, the playoff format. Um, you've got some interesting ideas about some outdoor games that I think is really, really interesting. So we'll get to all that. But before we get into any of that hockey talk, please explain to everybody, let's introduce you, Marin, to everybody out there. How long you've been in Nashville? Why are you a hockey fan? Give us all the, the good stuff and tell everybody about a little bit about yourself. Well, hello, I'm Marin. And I would like to say uh, I'm the original Marin in Nashville. I was here first. I moved here in 1994, so I was here first. So I was raised here, which is very weird to say nowadays because nobody is raised here anymore. So I'm a unicorn. And I got into hockey because my dad is Canadian and I really didn't have an option. So, so we started watching hockey. I can say I watched Wayne Gretzky play in LA. That's where I was born. I can't tell you that I remember watching Wayne Gretzky play, but there are photos. So I have proof. And I I just love, I love the game. I love the, the fast pace and I love the code of it. There's the code of hockey, like every, there's a reason why everything happens and why things happen at a certain time in the game. So you're not talking like unwritten rules of baseball code. You're talking... Hockey is like a written code. I feel like it's not un, It's not like baseball where if you do something shitty, you're going to get a ball in the ear hole. But hockey is if you do something shitty, you're going to get a fist to the face. And it's not a yeah. secret. And it doesn't and it, it's not like you're not waiting like three and a half months until the next time you play. It's like going to happen on the next shift. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to happen. And it's yeah. So I love that. And I love that. As someone who covers the game and now plays the game, I can't really, I can't really say, oh, like I could have done that because I can't do that. You know, I, I can't skate backwards or stop for that matter. Those seem but, like two important things though, to know if you are going to go on a podcast and say that you now play hockey. I do. I now play hockey. But I feel like you have to be able to skate backwards before you can say that you can play hockey. No, 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 you don't actually. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> No, because, you like, you're all about the four check. Okay. I got it. Yeah, exactly. And because it's a non-contact league, I can't stop. So I can use that as an excuse for checking because <laughs> if I can't stop myself, someone else has to stop me. 
I think your strategy is sound, Cotton. I think it is. <laughs> I think so. It works. It works for me out at Fort Ice Center in Bellevue. Well, well, we'll get to how many sheets of ice are in Nashville because I know you've got some complaints as well as um, is there some controversy with the division you're playing in? Is that is that the issue? There's some controversy. Yes. Okay, we'll get. We'll get to, I'll have a rant for that. We'll get to that as well. Uh, also, tell everybody where where and what you'll be doing with Broadway Sports Media. And are you allowed to use bad words on Broadway Sports Media? Because you can use a lot of bad words on this podcast. If I you fucking hope so. <laughs> that was kind of part of the deal when when I joined. I said, "Can I just be myself?" Because I I speak sailor. I don't speak proper. Lee. Lee. But I do think sailors and hockey players are cut from probably the same cloth. They are. When you are, if you're ever around my family, I think that F-bomb has dropped every couple of sentences, maybe more. So dad and mom are, are sailors as well. Everybody. My brother's a hockey really? player too. So, so you, have a, you have a good excuse as to why you have language like that in your life. I don't have that excuse. My family, you know, like I've got language I use around everyone else in the world and language I use on the radio and with my mom. Like my right. mom and on the radio are the two same. Like basically my mom is the FCC. Okay. And, and occasionally I'll let it slip. I've gotten more free as I've gotten older with my father. My brother and I both have just, you know, terrible mouth. So I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't have an excuse. I guess I just got mine, you know, on a football field in middle school or something. I don't know. Well, and I have a very Jewish grandmother and she likes to cuss in Yiddish. So that nobody knows that she's cussing. Oh, that's awesome. So that's that's fun too. Can so you cuss on can you cuss in Yiddish on the show today? I have to be able to use it in the, it properly. Just wait till um, you disagree with me, which is bound to happen at some point on the show today. Okay. And then Deal. just just go just go in in Yiddish just destroying me. And I'll be like smiling about it the whole time. I don't know if I could string a bunch together, but I can use them to describe certain things. Okay. All right. So what do you think of the new divisions? <laughs> no, by the way, uh, follow her on Twitter, at Marin underscore Angus. Broadway Sports Media, of course, where you can catch all of her work now. Uh, and she'll be a part of this program uh, a little bit more moving forward. So uh, everybody, let's give her a warm welcome on Twitter and rate, review, and subscribe and say all nice things or negative things, whatever. We don't care. That's sort of the, that's sort of the personality of the, the show is that we don't care. Exactly. I really don't um, care. One, one rule on the show. We have one rule. Okay. And that is you cannot use the nickname to describe the top line for the Nashville Predators. That's the only rule on the show. Otherwise, everything is fair game. I, I, I wouldn't have even thought to use it. Really? Because Adam hates, Adam hates it and will not use it. I used to use it because it was shorthand. And now I have been shamed into not using it. Really? Yep. I, yeah, I, I just don't, it's not my thing. I'll call them by their name or, or their personal nickname, right? Because Ooh, that raises a whole other question. Oh, I do not think using nicknames, and this has been a longstanding issue of mine. I do not think you, and we'll talk hockey eventually here. I, I do think if I'm in the locker room, if I'm addressing a player, if I'm on the air talking about a player, I do not think using nicknames is professional. Now, this is a podcast. This is a little looser. We're a little lighter. We're having fun. It's just my personal thing. I would never be doing it. Like, I don't say lobby. I never, I never would say lobby to lobby in an right. interview setting. I, I call him coach, which Adam hates as well. But I, I, even then, it should be Peter, right? Peter or, you know, Roman or Pekka would. I, for some reason, Pekka is very easy to use. 
uh, instead of like pecs. But if we're having a conversation, just me and you, like not not on the air, not professionally, I will call him lobby or pecs. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. To- totally, totally inbounds. Uh, all right, so we'll get to some outdoor ideas, uh, the, some, some playoff format, some scheduling, but let's start with the new divisions. And I got a question for you because it does feel like that it's down to, and again, we've talked about this ad nauseum. There's lots of reports out there. It's not official, but Chicago, Detroit, Columbus, Nashville, Tampa, Florida, and then the, it, it seems like there will be one other team, and it seems like it could be Minnesota, could be St. Louis, could be Dallas. My vote is St. Louis because St. Louis is one of the only other teams Nashville has been with for every single year of its existence. Um, and I just Minnesota and Dallas feel a little further out there from the conglomerate of teams that would be in this division. If it's even called the central division, if you had to choose Minnesota, St. Louis or Dallas, I know Preds fans right now hate Dallas. So maybe there's some, some vibes there that they want to bring into the division. Some old rivalries with both Columbus, of course, and um, Detroit who were in the division with the Predators, from 2000 to 2013. So sort of what are your thoughts on the makeup of that group of teams? Do you like it? Are you excited about it? You know, which, which of the central division teams do you want to stay in the central division? What what do you think about all that, that, that group of teams in the new division? I personally love the idea of Detroit being in the same division again, just because I used to go to those games all the time when I was a kid, the Detroit Nashville games. And they were so much fun, and that rivalry got so heated. I think from the Nashville side more than the Detroit side at times. But I think that's a great idea. I think having Columbus around is great, uh, especially with Seth Jones being in the building or being around his old team a lot. And as far as teams in, in the Predators division right now, personally, I'm for Minnesota. Okay, why? Because I think that they're the worst of the three teams. <laughs> they're the worst of the three teams. But uh, you know, my best friend covers the Minnesota Wild. So shout out to Sarah McClellan. You can follow her if you want Minnesota Wild news. Also, just there's something something about Minnesota, something about Ryan Suter that the Predators fan base still hates. And you've got to be able to have some rivalry to cling to besides Chicago. And I don't, I don't think I, I know right now the the Predators and Doubt and the Stars don't get along. But that's not a that's not a rivalry yet, in my opinion. Interesting. I, I agree with you. I, I think there there are always like sort of two rivals for every sports team. There's one that's like your traditional long time, always going to be arch number one rival. And then there's sort of like the the guy you hate the most right now. Right. And for a while that was Anaheim, you mm-hmm. know, and now it's sort of Dallas because of Corey Perry and because of the playoff loss and some other stuff. But Chicago to me is always going to have to be your top, right. your top rival. I, I, I love some of this division because of what you said, Detroit and Columbus sort of rekindling that. You know, again, I'd like to see St. Louis purely based on continuity. The only reason I'd vote for them is just continuity. They, they, the only two teams the Predators have played in the same division with since their first ever season was St. Louis and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And everyone else has sort of come and gone. And I'd like to see some of that maintained. Although you could argue if you take St. Louis out, you could be like, oh, Chicago, the only team we've played with every single year. So maybe that adds to it. Tampa, there's some juice there because of their defending champs. Columbus and Detroit, we get that. Florida and Carolina do absolutely nothing for me. I know they've I know they've won like been to the cup and all this stuff, but they provide no intrigue for me whatsoever. I will argue with you on this. 
Carolina is please. Carolina is one of the most exciting teams in the NHL to watch. And I know they're a small market. I know a lot of people probably haven't watched the Canes play day in and day out. I just lived in Raleigh for a year. I bought a season ticket because they're really cheap, number one. <laughs> and <laughs> number two, Sebastian Ajo is probably one of the greatest hockey players to ever step on the NHL ice. And if you have the opportunity to see him play a lot, take full advantage of that because you're not going to get many players like him. You've got Svechnikov. He's, he's, he's pretty exciting. Svechnikov too. And then throw in, you never know who's going to be in net for them. I mean, you could have an e-bug that takes down the Toronto Maple Leafs. That <laughs> you just, they're exciting. You And okay. they're, they're super chill. They're super laid back. And then you've got people like Jordan Martinuk, who they're just a party animal. He is, he is something. So I, I think having Carolina around will almost bring a sense of looseness to a division. Plus you've got Rod the Bod. I will call him by his nickname, <laughs> Rod the Bod. Well, and their whole, like their whole post game routine thing that like drove yes. that, that like really pissed off like the old, old, old traditional guard in hockey. Yes. And I know that they've had a pretty good record against the Preds, but I, I'm with you. They are a fun team. I, I get you on that. They just, there's something about the, I don't know. I think of the, I looked at the division and there was sort of instantaneous, like emotional responses to a lot of things. And then I would see like Carolina and Florida. I just don't have the response, but, but you make a great point. And I think you've sold me. I think you've sold me. I can deal with it. It's also probably the smartest thing to do during a pandemic is to sort of have all your teams close together. Now, speaking of scheduling, there's a good chance that you're going to end up only playing in against these teams, right? There's a good chance that you're only going to play in these divisions to limit travel. There's a chance you might play baseball style series, two and three game series. I I don't love that idea, but if it gets us through a season, I don't really care. Frankly, it's not going to piss me off or make me happy. Um, But there is also another good chance that as this progresses, and again, hopefully a vaccine comes around mid mid season, and then we can all go back to, to going to games and everything will be great. But assuming the worst, which is that all eight teams have to play in one city. Where do you want to see that city? Like, where do you want to see all those games take place if it can't be Nashville? And where do you think the NHL would put it if they had to choose? It's a great question. Because I'm thinking more along the lines of, okay, what's going to provide great content, number one, right? Tampa Bay would be awesome. You could have guys out on CDs in between games. It's great. (laughs) I mean, Florida... Florida although Florida I don't Florida's so isolated sunrise that you don't get a lot of people in that area so that could work because not a lot of people are there so (laughs) no COVID no COVID that could work Nashville obviously is out but we do have the hotel capacity we don't have the rink capacity which I know you're going to be mad about in a second but we we do have the hotel capacity actually if the nhl wanted to move a bunch of teams here that are close to an arena there are a lot of hotels i mean in theory columbus columbus has a lot of hotels in that huge arena, city huge arena city. district but then you look at i think tennessee and ohio are the top two states right now for covid so it's like well yeah i mean it's hard for it's, it's hard for me not to vote for chicago just as a city yeah, I think Chicago takes the cake. You've got plenty of hotels. You've got plenty of ice for practice rinks. You've got train, 
I mean, there's transportation, right? There's two airports if their teams are flying in and out. You know, Carolina's kind of isolated. They're not near downtown. There aren't really any hotels nearby. So that's not going to work. And Minnesota. St. Louis feels like Raleigh. Yeah. To be, to be honest. And I would say Dal- if it was Dallas, I think that would work because it's such a huge metroplex yes. and you could spread out. But I, I, to me, I think the NHL would go with Chicago for some reason. I don't know why. I just feel like that's it offers the players the most sort of opportunity to sort of live somewhat of a normal life, even if you are sort of in a bubble. Like you said, lots of ice, lots of... I mean, I would vote for... If I was covering the team and we were allowed to go into the locker room and actually cover teams, because we're not going to be able to do that probably, then yeah. I would I would rather hang out in Chicago probably than anywhere else, yeah, um, even, in the, even in the wintertime. Which brings us to out, outdoor possibilities. And when you, you said this is a great opportunity for us to produce more outdoor games because if fans, fans could come to those. And it's a great concept. I don't know why we don't, why the NHL isn't looking into, maybe they are looking into setting up outdoor opportunities all over the place. Right. Like, why limit yourself? Why? I think one, one of the things that has hurt the NHL is the lack of ticket sales through all of this. And if you're, if you're looking ahead to this season and how can the NHL produce revenue, outdoor games and ticket sales, if college football and the NFL can have people in their stadium. Let's take full advantage of that and have some outdoor games. So if you're, if you're looking at this division and, and can these teams play outside, obviously Minnesota could, obviously Detroit could, Columbus could, Chicago could, uh, Carolina was supposed to host an outdoor game they probably could do it again because where the arena is, is right next door to the NC state football stadium. Literally they share the parking lot. So that's simple for them. Not so sure about Tampa Bay and Florida, but when it, you know, when it comes to Nashville, this past now week you we have, could to have. Think, <laughs> but now you have to think of where can you have it? Right. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to use an NFL stadium during the NFL season. But that only that's only I mean, that's basically done mid-January. That could be over for the Titans, for example, before the Pred season even started. In theory. That's true. I, in I actually theory. think it, it works out well for all football to be done, let's say by end of January. Then that gives you, mm-hmm. I don't know, out of your fifty-six game schedule, that gives you forty-five games probably at least, where you could in theory put them outdoor. I mean, Ohio State's done playing already. <laughs> like they're already done in Columbus. So, you know, you could absolutely put a game in, 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 in the horseshoe, right? Yeah. Okay. And think about the number of tickets you can sell for the horseshoe. Yes. Think about if yes. you're in Detroit, how many tickets you can sell for the big house. It's, it's just, even if you're separated into pods of four or six or, you know, whatever that number is, you're still going to sell an astronomical amount of tickets. Yeah, I think Ann Arbor, I want to say, is like 45 minutes from Detroit, roughly speaking, I think. so. They, again, did, they did an outdoor game there already. Yeah, be creative is the point, right? Right. Like the NHL, be creative. Right. So let's, let's think about it. If Nashville is to host an outdoor game, what are your top three sites? If, if the football, if you can't have it at Nissan Stadium, where say, else can you? I mean, the Vanderbilt Stadium is a dump. Um I mean, first Tennessee Park is a nice facility, but you can't sell a lot of tickets. 
to that. This is where the soccer stadium, should it have already been built by now, would be a great location because that's about that'll be about thirty thousand seats, and you could space them out and mm-hmm. and get probably get you know five eight thousand people in there. There's really not a whole lot of good options after that. Like I, I don't like is Montgomery Bell Academy. Like I don't know what the biggest. <laughs> Like, I don't know what the biggest, I don't know what the biggest prep stadium is actually in middle Tennessee area. Brent, Brentwood high. Maybe Ensworth is a really, really nice stadium. So I, there's not a lot of options. I, I, that's why I don't think, I think, you know, Nashville could host one or two or a series at mm-hmm. Nissan stadium. But after yeah. that, I don't think, you know, this is where Chicago and you know, Columbus and even Tampa have a lot of options, even though Tampa's weather might be a problem. There's a lot more options. I, I just, I, the point to me that people need to grasp is the creativity here. Like that's, yeah. I think you're, you texted me that and I was like, what the hell? Why didn't I think of this? <laughs> like this is, <laughs> this is what the NHL should be doing, being flexible and being creative. Yep. Because I, I think I forgot what the number was that I saw of what the deficit was for last year for the NHL, what, how much money they lost in revenue, but they have to be creative. They have to. I mean, it's, they don't have the mega TV deal, like major league baseball, like the NFL, like the NBA. I mean, the NBA didn't have anybody there, but yet they still rake in millions of dollars. So there's gotta be a way for the NHL to make some money. And I think the outside is going to be their, their answer. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, one more question here before we get to the great Hal Gill. He'll be joining us uh, coming up a little bit later on. We'll talk with him. But lastly, what, what in a perfect world, you get, you're the commissioner. You have complete control. What does the playoff format look like for the NHL in an already bizarro 2021 where it's going to be shortened schedule? Like literally the whole thing's going to look different. And I think fans are going to accept of, be accepting of that. I am. I'm excited about it. It's a, one, it's a one-off. Why not? Let's try some new stuff too during the playoffs. So if you you could design it, what do you? How does it look according to Marin? Obviously, there are, there's no such thing as conferences because you've already mixed up the the conferences and into your new realignment. So I don't think there needs to be an Eastern Conference and a Western Conference. I mean, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, come up with something cool. Maybe maybe it's. Maybe you just go back and call it the Campbell and the. <laughs> Maybe you just go back to the old days and call it that and and pick two divisions. Maybe pick some out of a hat. Like these two are going to be here and these two will be in this one. And <laughs> if they're going to play in a hub city, like go for it. And then if and then when the playoffs come around, because I think you have to have some structure to it. If you if you don't have conferences and you just go one through sixteen you just get a you just get a true champion out of it you don't have a representative from each conference and you're not going to hand out conference trophies if you're do i was going to say if you're doing away with conferences then you're sort of already so i mean you're sort of already shit out of luck on that one anyway you know yeah like, yeah I, so i'm i'm with you i don't want to see conferences i would like to see the the four division champions get to be the one through four seed even if that's not equitable i understand Okay. Give them the one through, like, if you win your division, you get to be one of the top four seeds. So you're one, right. two, three, four in order of points or okay. maybe point points per game or whatever the actual metric has to be, because who knows how many games people are going to play. Right. And then each one, what would be cool is it, again, a worst case scenario, we don't have a vaccine and we're not allowed to travel anymore. And we're not allowed to have fans and no home ice advantage. Then each, if you win your division, not only do you become one of the top four seeds, but you also become the hub city for that quarter of the bracket or whatever. Right. 
So if you win the central division, then Nashville becomes the host for, you know, however long they go in the, until they hit a higher seed. Right. So I like it. So again, I think you could get creative with it. I would love to see one through 16 and just, and, and have it be one versus 16, like NCAA style, you know, two versus 15, three versus, you know, you know, 14 and just keep going all the way down until you get to eight versus nine. And the question I have is, would you like to see like an escalating number of games or do you want to see it just stay at seven, 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 seven? Like, do you like baseball? You could exactly. You could play like a three game first round, a five game second round, a seven game, you know, final semifinal and then a seven game championship. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to what are the options here, right? I think having an escalated number brings a little bit more a sense of it brings more urgency, right? Because you only have you have less games. So I think the exciting part about a wild card series in baseball is that it's three games and here's your shot, right? Go win it or else you're done. Five games for a divisional round, same thing. You don't have seven games. You don't have the idea of, hey, this is seven games. We're going to let this thing play out. And last year in hockey, like, you know, playing a seven game series all the way through, that's especially if these guys aren't necessarily in shape for that. Because that's a that's another issue. It it is less television games and less revenue potentially for a TV partner. So that probably stops it. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea of I mean, again, this is just a one off. Like again, we'll go back to seven right. game series next year and yeah. the same old divisions and the same old formats. And hell, we already had problems with the stupid wild card format anyway. Like I hate the the one, two, three wild card, wild card anyway. Like I don't, that, I'm not a fan of that. I've loved one through eight in the old NHL model. I've always loved that. That's how I grew up watching hockey. And so maybe that's comfortable for me. But again, if we're going to have a crazy weird year and everybody knows that sort of all bets are off, why not embrace it and lean into it and have some fun? And there you go. So, and it hopefully gets you back on track to have a regular season the next year. You don't want to go too late into the year where the idea of having a training camp you know, a month later, the guys are like, nope, can't do yeah. that. <laughs> right. right. Uh, all right. Well, that just about does it for you and I. Filling in for Adam Vingan, Marin Angus, everybody, at Marin underscore Angus. You can follow her there on Twitter. Preds beat writer, of course, at Broadway Sports Media. So make sure you check out the website. Get a subscription. I recommend it. High quality content from all the good, wonderful people over there at Broadway Sports Media. We do appreciate it. Marin, how do you feel? How, how do you feel about your first, your first shift? I feel pretty good. I did not hear enough cussing from you, actually. Well, I didn't get to go on my rant about Fordyce. Oh, that's right. If you play Upper C at Centennial and you have pictures of yourself with a championship trophy that says Centennial Upper C champ, you should not be playing D-League at Fordyce Center. Ooh, so you're calling out the Upper C champs for playing a week schedule. Exactly. And Fordyce Center should not be allowing that to happen. Why is it happening? Because there's no freaking ice in this town. In these, in these small towns, I'm going to say it, small towns. I live in Hendersonville. I was raised here. I will call them out. Like, there's been land that was bought and ready for an ice rink. But the old men that run this city, they're like, hockey, what's hockey? Let's build more soccer fields. <laughs> I have played a lot of outdoor roller hockey, though, at that really killer rink up there. On uh, yeah. that, I've played a lot of hockey on that rink. That's for sure. They're, they're moving it finally because it was built in a floodplain because they didn't know what hockey was. 
<laughs> and so they said, well, the only place to build an inline rink is in a floodplain. So let's build it in a floodplain. It has flooded twice in the last 10 years. Oh, God. And so now they're moving it. But, you know, what they also built in a floodplain is the all-inclusive playground next to the inline rink. Yeah, it's a nice park. It's a very nice park. There you have it. Next time I'll give you like a full six minutes to go on a rant about ice because I'm with you. There's not enough ice. My four-year-old wants to learn how to skate and I can't take her to play hockey anywhere because they're all indoors and there's not enough ice sheets. So Marin, thank you so much though. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Please follow her on Twitter. Check her out at Broadway Sports Media. When we come back, you will hear from Hal Gill, of course. Longtime NHL defenseman. We appreciate it. Marin, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Special thanks to Marin Angus from Broadway Sports Media for filling in for Adam Vingen this week. We do appreciate her time. Love hanging out with her. Love her perspective on hockey. Now on the show, you'll get to hear from the great Hal Gill, of course, color analyst for the Nashville Predators Radio Network. Here is my conversation with Hal Gill. Hal, first of all, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time here on the gold standard podcast i do appreciate it there's a lot of things i want to talk to you about you could i could talk to you about like hops and barley and it would be fun for me so uh, but i want the audience to sort of hear from a player's former player's perspective on basically the whole gambit of what players have been through so try to take people back through the stoppage of play into the bubble and into the the short postseason and, and sort of like give everybody what that must have been like if you had been a player you know, whether you're away from your family, just like try to take people through the training, the emotion, the physicality of it all. Like try to explain to people what that would have been like. Well, uh, yeah. Well, th- first of all, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I feel like we should be able to talk Barley and Hops and, and just have at her. But um, as a player, this is a tough one, man, because this is, this is something that no one's ever seen before. I've been through lockouts. I've been through a lot of different things, but this is crazy. You look at the first, you're ready to play a game in Toronto and nope, looks like morning skate is canceled. looks like we're not going to play in front of fans. And then they say, no, we're, we're going home. You're done. We're going to put it on the shelf. So you get home and you say, all right, I, I guess I, I got to stay in shape until we're allowed to go back and no one lets you back. So I know a lot of the guys uh, I, go get a gym <laughs> like guys went out and filled up uh, their garage with gym equipment. Just try and stay in shape, get ready. Cause this is going to, and then we're all sitting there going, wait, this isn't just going to be a little bit of time. This is we're in one right now. And we're going to have to hang out for a while. Then the guys started going home. Like, when do we have to be, you know, if we do come back, how long do we have to quarantine for when, when will we, we have a heads up and then, they say, all right, we're going to do this bubble. Great idea. But then they mix in this CBA agreement and extend for another six years with the option of seven, I believe. And, and you say, okay, whoa, what is this all about? And it sounds like, all right, if you guys do this bubble, you get next season, you're going to get paid. And everyone's looking at it going, guys, let's get in the bubble. We'll sacrifice a few months if we have to, but we're going to get paid next year. So that's part of the CBA. Let's do this. So guys up and leave their family, you know, kudos to, to Dallas and, and Tampa for staying all the way through. That's a long time. And that's a ton of sacrifice for those guys that win the cup or they don't, 
is even more devastating for Dallas. Uh, you look at what those guys have gone through, and now you come back and you say, okay, season delayed. Obviously, we're going to look at coming back in December or January, and now the CBA comes up again. And it's like, wait a second. No, we're not. The owners want to revisit the whole thing. And it's like, no. Now, I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. I, I'd love to get down and sit down with the lawyer and explain everything because uh, as a player, you're looking at it going, I think we get paid. I think we're going to get most of our salary, but you're not really sure. You know, no, I don't like, like dealing do... with escrow on my own house, Hal. Yes. I don't, like... <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I think everything's good, but what happens if this happens? And I, I have no idea. So now the players are looking back, hey, I want to go and play some hockey and hopefully I'll get some money. I think right now where they're at and where the NHL is at is like, hey, we got to play. So yeah. I think we have the deal in place. I think they're ready to play. Now, we, we, I didn't even get into the fact that like, when do I have to be in peak condition? Like when do I have to be in the best shape of my career? You know, because that's what you're looking for. Beginning of a season, I want to go in in the best shape of my career. And so that's your goal. And when is that supposed to be? Well, you're looking halfway through the season. You better be in pretty good shape because 56-game schedule, those games are going to be tough. And it's going to be jam-packed. There's going to be a lot of action. There's not a lot of time to heal and recover in 56 games just smashed in your face, especially against one division like you're playing in a division and you're going to be playing these teams eight, eight times or whatever it is. Yeah. That's going to be a battle. I, I, I think there's a lot of like, as a hockey fan, I can step away and be like, I love the quirkiness of what this is going to look like. Shortened burst to the, to the playoffs could be a unique collection of games. You don't normally play in a, maybe there's some outdoor stuff. Like let's let the NHL be creative and try to lean into it, enjoy it and know the tradition is coming you know, next season. And, and I, and as a fan, I think that's easy for me to do as a player. You just talked about how you normally would enter the season. And you and I've talked about sort of the ebb and flow of the physicality mentally and physically of a, of a season before. And I'm curious. So your goal generally at the start of every season was to be as in, in good a shape as possible. So that like, as the tank gets drained, or is there any moments where you, you sort of build up quote unquote calluses for a regular season and all of a sudden you're does that question make sense? Like, yeah. Like, yep. how do you try to explain that where normally you're doing this in October or, or September, yeah. frankly, and now you're doing it in the middle of December after for some teams, for seven of those teams, like nine months off. Yeah. No, normal season. And, and it's different. Uh, I think the lack of holding and hooking and jamming, like it changes the way guys break down. So there's more skating and fatigue with your legs than there used to be, as opposed to like, bad shoulders and you know like you still have that but for the most part uh, you know I'd look at the end of a season whenever that was I'd take two weeks off and then I'd have two weeks of yoga I'd have a month of recovery training where I'm rebuilding a month of strength training and power and explosive and then I'd round out the rest of the season the preseason if you will you know July August you'd look at that as time to rehone everything and get everything so it's you know anaerobic aerobic power strength everything kind of comes together and so you're looking at that and, and you're look, and then you look at the, okay I got to that point the season's starting I have 10 games to kind of tune into the game like I have to be tuned in by five or ten games and then 
I want to be ramping up for all-star break, right? Like you're, you're making a good push before all-star break or Olympic break, whatever it is. And then you come back rested, recharged, and now you have to gear back up for a playoff run, you know, not, not the playoffs, but getting to the playoffs. And that's, I mean, ultimately that's where you want to be playing your best hockey, but usually you're in your best shape in the beginning. And then you kind of sway that and balance it out with the best hockey that you could play. And so that's going to be fast tracked through on the 56 game. You know, you break that down. It's like, do you have, do you have five, five to 10 games to get up to speed? That, not really. <laughs> Cause you're out of the playoffs, you know, like, boom, it's going to happen quick. And so you gotta, you gotta be a little bit sharper. And does that mean, is it training camp? It's not going to be a long training camp. There's not going to be a ton of, exhibition games if there is any kind of inter-squad games you know I, I think that's going to be the tough balance for these guys is like you got to be ready to go because you, you know you look at look at football NFL is you know you, you lose a game it's it, it could, that game could cost you a season and so 82 games you say hey you can lose a few and don't worry about it 56 chops it down They're a little bit more important so there's a balance there and you have to uh, it's going to be tough for these players to ramp up and be ready to go is going to be tough in a short span, but you've been given all this time off. <laughs> so you think you'd be better, more healed. Certainly guys that were banged up were saying, Hey, this is a good time to take a year off. So yeah. they're coming in and in, in a different mindset. Is there a cliche? I'm assuming there could be a cliche answer. I'm curious if there is not to what character. I got one for you. I guarantee it. I got all kinds of cliches. <laughs> that, listen, that's why I wanted you on the show was to give me nothing but cliches. That's what makes you interesting, Hal, is all of your cliches. Um, it is what it is, bud. <laughs> look, I'm just, I'm just taking it one day at a time, man, okay? Yes. So is, what are the characteristics of the teams? I mean, take talent and skill you know, off the table here. What characteristics of a team? Because the Predators certainly have a new characteristic in their locker room with a bunch of new faces trying to kind of come together. New coach with his first full season, all that stuff. Is it just going to be veterans and continuity? Are, are those the, the answers to what characteristics will lead to success in a shortened season with the weird offseason where you're on your own having to sort of be personally accountable? Yeah. You know what? I look at the characteristics of the team that, you know, so I came and started covering the team in 2000. 17, 18, after they had the cup run, coming in with a bunch of confidence. And I think the Preds, for the most part, were just such a confident – confidence in their ability to find ways to win. And so you look at a like, president's trophy, just – I don't know if they were ever dialed in. They just always found ways to win. And it was just like, let's go. Let's do this. Hey, someone's got to make a play. And they'd make a play, and, they, and they'd find a way to win game – and at the, end of a sea, at, at the end of a game, if they were up, they'd find a way to lock it down. They just found ways. And I think Laviolette had a good pulse of how to navigate the team and motivate the team. And so I think that wore off at some point where it was like, don't worry about it, we'll win. But then they didn't win. And then it was like, okay, we, a little slip in the confidence. Don't worry, we're still good. Well, you, you're, not. you're not. You don't have that edge anymore. And so I think that kind of slid away from them. And that was evidence, I think, for the most part in the playoffs when you don't have time to just say, hey, don't worry, we'll get through this and we'll end up on top. I think they were looking at it as David Poyle made that adjustment this year where he said, 
but no more slacking. We're going to have competition. We're going to bring in – and you look at the guys that he brings in, it's, there's going to be a lot of jam in the lineup. On the defensive end, there's going to be jam. I, I'm dying to see how the second line shakes out because, yeah, you look at the Jofa line, but then you got a, the Duchesne and a bunch of guys that want to play second. Like, who doesn't want to be a second-line guy? Everyone's dying to get in that top six. And you have really nine guys that are fighting for those spots. And you got Tomasino who could be coming in. You got Ellie Tolvanen who's gonna want a spot. Then you have Nick Cousins, uh, Nick Cousins, uh, Luke Cunning. These guys are gonna say, "Hey, I want a spot. I like I'm I'm I can play there. Give me a chance." And they're gonna fight for it. And with that, I think you're gonna see more of the old predator way that that sure. uh, like pride to play for the Preds. And every night you go in, it used to be like that. You go in. I remember coming on the road, never mind drinking a 12 pack on Broadway the night before, but you'd come into the rink and you'd be like, Whoa, I am in one. These guys play hard. And they did it every night. Trots, trots had them banged out and they were coming. I think you're going to see more of that. (laughs) You know, maybe not me having the 12 pack on Broadway, but you're going to see the Preds come in hard. That's where they can, they're going to turn the corner is having that jam. And then they have the cap room to add, that skill player if they need it. You and I have talked about this before, but try to explain to people in sort of the simplest way you can, the difference between a sort of a true man-to-man defense, a hybrid man-to-man defense, and sort of what is the prevailing wisdom around that scheme, around those schemes in the NHL today? Yeah. Well, man-to-man, I, you know, Laviolette really liked it and, and thought that that was the way to go. I think it worked out for a long time because you have Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, P.K. Subban. Give those guys a man-to-man. They're going to get the guy. They're going to stop him. But once teams started getting going, it's like they'd start chasing them, and you're chasing guys around, and it's exhausting playing that way. So uh, I just think they, you know, they'd be good at it until there was a breakdown, and then it would be a circus. You know, I feel like you have to go into a hybrid man-to-man. Of course – if a guy has a puck, you need someone on him. Someone's got to be there. That's your, that's your hybrid, and, but you're playing in a zone where you have someone protecting him. So if he does get beat, he doesn't just chase him and, and chase his tail around the offensive zone. You've you got you to gotta be able to fall back and report back to the front of the net. So if, if you know, say, I always say to the, to, to the person who doesn't know anything about it, think about uh, a playing card, right? Uh, you know, you're playing cards – a number five, a playing card five, two up, two forwards, a center, and two D. If you can have that formation and just shift it around the zone, you have one guy on the puck, you have a center there for support, and you have a defenseman in front of the net. If it goes to the other side, that playing card five just shifts over. The defenseman's in the other corner, the other D's in front of the net. Now the center's supporting, and now you have the two forwards moving down and crunching and shrinking the zone. And that's what the Preds got really good. And Hines kind of changed things around. They were hitting their stride. I think it was last game in Montreal before we went on the pause. That's where they were getting really good. Shrinking the zone, protecting each other, playing that hybrid zone man-to-man. And because of that, I feel like they were starting to get better breakouts. And that's where they were getting their centers, their wingers involved in the rush. Instead of just having you know, Roman Yossi chase a guy around, get the puck and skate it out of the zone. Now, Roman Yossi is going down the ice and has, you know, has to make a play as opposed to 
a little bump to the center, and now the center's in the wings, and everyone's attacking as a unit of five. That's going to add to their offense. So, sorry, long, no, no, long answer to a simple question. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's where I think this team is headed to. And I, I, I like the way John, John Hines has kind of drawn that up in the early going. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing more of it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's fun to watch GOC go – Take, yeah. take, you know, end to end. It's fun to watch it. It's just not necessarily the best way to survive a, a long season in a grueling playoff well, run. It's also hard when you're, you're Philip Forsberg watching Yost <laughs> go by and you go, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. Like, hey, <laughs> give me the puck. And Yost is circling behind the net. You know, it's like, you, you it, it's me, like share the wealth, man. I know you're kidding around, but don't you want to see that from Forsberg? Like, I, yes. I'm now, now in a serious question. Like, don't you want to see Forsberg demanding the puck more and like he's got all the the tools to be 40 40 guy you know best forward maybe in predators history from a skill standpoint like just don't you want him to be like hey dude give me the puck let me go here yeah yes absolutely i think he he's and he turned the corner i thought in the playoffs he was strong he made plays and it was one play and i was talking to someone you know after the game and you know i went and sat down had a pint and I'm just talking to someone and they said that wasn't a very good play. And I explained a play where Forsberg was rushing through the neutral zone and just, it looked like he was going to go wide and he set his edge and just dove right through the slot and attacked the net. He got taken down. It wasn't like, it was like a, a, maybe not a trip, but what he did is he went all the way through and slid like into the goalie almost. And when he did that, the puck broke free and there were four guys that collapsed in around the net. And you do that in the first period and you get everyone to collapse in around the net and protect the net because you just bull rushed it. Now, third period comes around, those guys are in. Now make all your pretty plays on the outside because you've, <laughs> you've already attacked. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where, Phil, you take the combination of the power that he does have because he's strong on his edges and you mix it with the skill. That's where he's elite. There's not many players like him in the league that can be both, and he can have both. He's just got to you got to make them play off of each other instead of just you know. I always say like Eric Lindros was like one of the scariest guys to play against because if he was focusing on scoring goals, he was pretty good at it. If he was focusing on taking your head off, he's really good at that too. So <laughs> what was scary is if he could do both of them. You know, as a defenseman, I'm going which which do I want? Some guy to light me up or to light my goalie up <laughs> it's like which one do you choose that's where phil can be dangerous is drive and have the skill yeah i think we could say that about a few other players as well on the roster just be be powerful be decisive be assertive and i think you know a guy like johansson could probably take that advice as well how let me ask you you mentioned nick cousins and there's a lot of new faces and fans are gonna have to get to know these guys but Best worst trash talker in the NHL or worst best trash talker in the NHL. Can you please give me an example of what would be considered the best worst and an example of what would be considered the worst best? Can you try to give me an example? And, and this, remember, there is no FCC here. So You know what? Um, when I look back at trash talkers, there's always, like, there was always guys that would just say stupid things that would make you laugh. Keith Yandel is one of the funniest guys. Like, he's just constantly chatting and talking. You know, I played against a bunch of guys that were just saying stupid things and kind of making you laugh, trying to get you off your game, you know, like just dumb things, you know, like, uh, 
hey, why did you put your left skate lace on your right skate? You know, like just and you and you turn it. Shut up, idiot. You know. And then there's the other guys that I'm, I'm going to kick your ass. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking go you. Let's go. Let's go. And you're like, <laughs> I'm not going to fight you. You're breathing out of your eyelids. I, I don't. And so there's a level of trash talking somewhere in between that can set guys off. And when you combine it with a little stick into like the unpadded area or whatever, I, that's where I feel like cousins is kind of found his, his role. And I appreciate the most when it's funny, you know, I like uh, right, Max, exactly. Lapierre, Max Lapierre just retired and he went, we, I was with him in Montreal. We went into Vancouver and he went up to Henrik Sedin and said, Hey, Daniel, your brother's the ugliest fucker I ever seen. <laughs> and, and, and uh, obviously, how do you not react? How do you not react friends. to that? Well, the genius of it to go to the wrong guy right. and say that his brother was the ugliest, like just so many levels of stupidity that have to be put in together to make it a great, you know, like it was just one of those, those kind of chirps are my favorite chirps the genius i've i've been told a million times to uh take off my roller blades hey listen do you need do you need uh a stroller out here you know like i didn't know dinosaurs could still play you know like i've heard all the jokes and everything but when they're like kind of hurt and kind of funny that's yeah. when they're genius so I, I i i can totally see that what would you what would be your retort would you just be like you know what i i um i I did that. Chris Simon was, was a guy that was a big fighter in Washington. And this is my like first or second year. And he, he came up to me. He's like, let's go, let's go kid. I'll kick your, and I was like, I'm not going to fight you. You mouth breather. You're gross. Like you're disgusting. Look at your gross hair. Like get a haircut, you loser. And, and he was like, you're not going to fight me. And I was like, no, why would I waste my time fighting you? And he scored two goals that night. And I was like, I'm just going to shut up from now on i just it's not worth it so i would i would laugh and always have like little chirps but when it got into like i was always it's like whatever bud you're a waste of my time i'm not talking to you let's just play i yeah. i would i would argue that i think hockey players on ice would be the most entertaining mic'd up of any sport any of the major sports i, I think it would be by far they're they are the most creative they're the goofiest they're the silliest they're also the most intense to some degree. Like there's a lot of chirping that goes on on a football field and a basketball court, but I, I just feel like hockey players are, would be the most entertaining, like just mic them all up, all everybody in a whole game and just let them go, turn the FCC off and, and let's watch. I think it would be the most entertaining. Yeah. It, the most entertainment I got, if, if you wanted to hear me chirp, my thing usually was because I was the biggest guy, I'd go over to their biggest fighter and grab them like when I was playing with PK Subban, right? PK would start something and people would start getting it. He'd all be chirping and everything. And I'd go over to the tough guy and be like, Hey, bud, like I'm the one who's got to fight you. If this goes down, I don't really want to fight. We don't need to fight. You're not going to waste your time and fight me. I'm just going to lock you down. I'm not going to let you swing. It's going to be a waste of a fight. That's stupid. Why would we even do that? Just let the kid go. He's just talking. He's just having fun. Let's just talk. And I'd have, and eventually I talked enough to the guy that the guy was like, wait, what are we doing? What are we, you know, I forgot what I was upset about. It, you know, you talk him down off a ledge and just like slowly kind of talk him to death. 
You were just pra- <laughs> you were just practicing for a career in radio. That's what you were doing. Yes. <laughs> That's what yes. It we don't need to do this, buddy. We don't need to do this. this oh man. We, we'll just have fun. Are you going out after the game? What do you guys want to do? You want to do something? <laughs> you want to go get a beer? What are you drinking? Be friends with a goon. What are you drinking these days? Um. Well, you know what? It's funny is I had a hockey tournament out in uh, North Carolina, my son's hockey tournament. So when I was out there, like a kid in a candy store, I went through Asheville and like, I was just loading up. And so <laughs> I like all these North Carolina, I wish I could yeah. tell Southern range. Hi- Highland, uh, did you get some Highland brew? Highland brew, uh, yeah. Noda. Um, there's, I just loaded up. So I have my beer fridge downstairs. That's just like a, and these days it's like, you know, I'm not going out. There's not much going on, you know, um, I'm more just coming home and excited for one or two beers, you know? And so like, uh, like I'll go down for lunch and I, you know, I'll, I'll look through and choose which ones I'm going to have when I get home at night, you know? So it's kind of, that's the excitement in my life right <laughs> so now. It's like, it's like I'm a sure morning, you can relate. Yeah, it's like a morning skate. You go down, you're like, all right, here's the lineup for tonight. <laughs> Picking my sticks. <laughs> come back like, up. Um, all right. So how old are your, how old's your, how old are your kids again? You got three. I got 16, 13, two girls, 16 and 13 and a boy is nine. So my four-year-old daughter desperately wants to skate. Obviously right now is not a great time to get out. What is your advice to parents? I, I played hockey growing up, which is not normal for a lot of media people here in, in the South, but you have to learn how to skate first. That's the first piece of advice I always give everybody is you have to learn how to skate, then put a stick in their hand and let them work on that. But you got to learn to skate first. So, but learning how to skate, what, what is your advice for parents who have young, small kids who really want to get into it? My daughter loves the Preds. How, how do I, what's the right approach to getting her on, on skates? Just throw her out there and let her fall first, down. A few first times? thing I would say is that like, there's certain, you kind of, you have to know your kid. You know, if you have a knucklehead boy, that's just like, I've seen some two-year-old boys that will throw skates on and run around and they'll jump right on their face and not even care. You know, they don't care. That's, just my two, that's, my, that's my two-year-old daughter. That's her. Yeah. Just might go help bend okay. for leather. There's other kids that are a little more cautious with those kids and with every kid in general. If I can suggest a couple things, get a, get a helmet, please. Like, get them a helmet. They need a helmet. And if you can, get them a mask. That way they won't smash their face. Because if they smash their face, usually that's a good indication that they're never going to do this again. Right. And if you can, if you can just get them like the the little uh, knee pads so that when they do skate and fly around and they fall on their knees, it doesn't kill because if, if they are okay with falling, they'll skate forever because it's fun. Right. Once you get speed, then it's like, Oh, this is so much fun. And you fall and it doesn't hurt. You're going to go fast again. But if you go fast and then you fall and then you go, Oh, oh, I don't want to do that because that hurt. Then they go slow and then it's not as much fun. That would be my advice. Okay. So it's kind of like teaching them to, to walk like a penguin. <laughs> That's right. It, it's similar to teaching the, I taught my three and a half year old in March how to ride a bike. And there was a few of those moments, right? Where she could have used some knee pads probably. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Oh yeah. But she loves it now. Now she's doing the whole like hunched over the handlebar at four years old, like cruising down the roads and stuff. So. Isn't it the best? She's all in. Yeah. She's all in. And you felt like her father of the year. You're like, this is, I'm automatically father of the year. I, I taught a three and a half year old to ride a bike and a one year old to get potty trained during the pandemic. I'm cashed out for the year. I'm done. Just, just, I'm done. Where's when is the, uh, when do I get the award for, for best father? Hal, thank you so much, man. I do appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Can't wait for the season to get started. Good talking to you, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to see you, bud. 
Oh, that was Hal Gill. Always fun talking with the extraordinarily tall defenseman who also is the Nashville Predators radio color analyst. Love hanging out with that guy. Um, Check out the Twitter account, at bag underscore chucker, of course. All the cool gear, all the good stuff there that both Hal and, of course, Chris Mason are are doing on the uh, all the bag chucker gear there as well. A lot of it benefits Seven Element, of course, the uh, charity, the, the nonprofit there that's dedicated to providing military veterans and first responders with the opportunity to engage in sports. So make sure you're checking that out as well. Always love talking with him. Adam Vingen will be back next week, of course, to talk all things Predators as we get closer to the start of camp, as guys are getting in and out of the building as we speak. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marin Angus for filling in for Adam Vingen. Hope you enjoyed that. Please tweet her, at Marin underscore Angus, all the things you thought about the show. We do appreciate it. And, of course, instead of yelling at you and telling you to rate, review, and subscribe, uh, which, of course, is important for the show, just just tell somebody. Just tell one person. That's all I ask. We, we do this show largely for free for you guys. And if you could just tell one person, it really helps us grow. And always a pleasure talking Preds hockey with you. My name is Braden Gall. Follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports, at 440 Media on Instagram. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk soon. Otherwise, this has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.